Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of React Roundup. I will be your host today, Paige Niedringhaus, and I am joined by our panelist, Jack Harrington. Hello there. And our special guest today is Attila Fasina. Welcome, Attila. Hi, thanks for having me. And yeah, I'm looking forward to having a nice chat with you guys, with you folks. Yeah. We are as well. Hey, folks, this is Charles Maxwood from Top End Devs. And lately, I've been working on actually building out Top End Devs. If you're interested, you can go to topendevs.com slash podcast, and you can actually hear a little bit more about my story, about why I'm doing what I'm doing with Top End Devs, why I changed it from uh, devchat.tv to Top End Devs. But what I really want to get into is that I have decided that I'm going to build the platform that I always wished I had with devchat.tv. And I renamed it to Top End Devs because I want to give you the resources that are going to help you to build the career that you want, right? So whether you want to be an influencer in tech, whether you want to go and just max out your salary and then go live a lifestyle with your family, your friends, or just traveling the world or whatever, I I want to give you the resources that are going to help you do that. We're going to have career and leadership resources in there, and we're going to be giving you content on a regular basis to help you level up and max out your career. So go check it out at topendevs.com. If you sign up before my birthday, that's December 14th. If you sign up before my birthday, you can get 50% off the lifetime of your subscription. Once again, that's topendevs.com. So Attila, for anybody who has not met you before, maybe you could tell us a little bit about yourself, why you're famous, and what we're planning to talk about today. Yeah, so uh, I, I'm not sure about the famous part. Uh, <laughs> That's what everybody says. Though. But uh, <laughs> yeah, so... Somebody, um, someday somebody's going to come on and say, I'm famous because... <laughs> you know. Yeah, <laughs> I guess I'm famous for whoever knows me. <laughs> there you go. But yeah, exactly. anyway. You're famous to us. <laughs> exactly. So currently I work at Zata, which is a serverless database, and we're still in closed beta. We're very close to go to open beta, and I'm working on the DevRel team as a developer experience engineer. And yeah, I've been, I like writing articles. Uh, Most of them are on Smashing Magazine. Every, most cases about Remix, Next.js, React. There's a new one about serverless databases. We hit, uh, hitting anytime soon. Like it's a series about database for front end developers. Mm, and mm. yeah. And I like, like whenever somebody gives me a microphone, I talk a lot. That's what I'm doing now. <laughs> um, I show up at conferences when I can. Last one been Norway talking about Remix and optimistic UI, which as I heard is something that you folks are interested to in talking about. So yeah, yeah, yeah that's, that's what I've been up to. Yeah. So last time we talked about Next.js and here you are and you can talk about Remix. And I think for a lot of folks, you know, like Next.js is such a standard. Like why, what, one, why, what is Remix? Why is it cool? Why would I want to use it? Mm -hmm. Why, 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 why? (laughs) Yeah. So the first thing that I I saw a lot of people doing and I'm guilty of doing that myself was when figuring out what Remix is about, we immediately jump in and comparing to Mm Next.js. Yeah. And um, they do like, Though, like, yeah, they, they have very similar use cases in some points and uh, different opinions on how to do same stuff sometimes. But they do have some very nice differences that I found a place in my heart for both of them. Uh, so uh, <laughs> I do like both of them quite a lot. And I think that now, like, the layout RFC on Next.js brings them 
a little bit closer together. It's going to encourage a little bit more comparison even because one thing that to me set Remix apart when it came out was the, the partial routing. So how they do routing in the Remix app is quite interesting to me because if you can do like the, the partial routing that just eats a big chunk of complexity when you're migrating from a vanilla React app like if you created something with create React app and you want to go like on a more serverless Jamstack way, more performance friendly stuff like that. And if you, if you build your app with your uh, create React app, bigger chances are you use React router and Remix was mm-hmm. compatible out of the box with uh, React router from the guys from React router. Exactly. So, so that's, that was something that was speaking volumes to me because at the time it came out, I was actually planning on break a React app to use something like Next.js or Remix to go like serverless routes, pun not intended, sorry, uh, serverless paths, lifestyle, mm-hmm. whatever. And then when Remix came out, I said, oh, that just takes a, my biggest problem out of me. Like I don't need to dig into the app and refactor all the routing system, <laughs> um, <laughs> which is end. always good. <laughs> so that was the first thing to me that caught my attention with Remix. I do like a lot how they handle the mutation story, like how they may manage like pushing data from mm-hmm. your app to the server, which is mm-hmm. something like out of the box, quite unique, I guess, so far. I don't know about many other frameworks, but at least Next.js, you eventually need something like, I don't know, SWR or React Query, something yeah. like that to handle the states when you're pushing. And Remix kind of does that out of the box with how they handle forms and the action functions and things like that. So that was quite appealing. So, yeah. Can I, can we dig down a little bit on these though? Cause I think you're, you're, you're skimming over them like, like you would, like yeah. the person on the other end knows what you're talking about. Like, <laughs> yeah, like I'm just par- partial routing. What are you talking <laughs> right. about? Like there's so routes. I'm- what is a partial? You're setting the landscape and you tell me where oh, you want to dive. Okay. So, <laughs> and on partial routes and maybe diving on this mutation thing. Yeah. Both of you are the maestro of this conversation. So you tell me, Oh, that's, uh, that's something you're interested. In. Otherwise I'll just go like very big salesman and you tell me. <laughs> yeah. You're not interested in this conversation is 15 minutes. <laughs> no, but yeah. So the partial routing is interesting because then you can have like these nested routes, which you don't need to reload or re-render the entire app when navigating that makes it easier for you to handle your resources when you're when you're doing this navigation so and share layouts in most cases so so can you give us kind of an example of how you might visualize a nested router what that might look like for a, a, a user in the browser yeah so for example like i think the most the, the most classic example that most people are going to be able to relate to is a dashboard where in the dashboard you have all those different views and you can navigate the views and only refresh part of it, which essentially leads to a smaller payload, which leads to some resource optimizations. And then you come to those like web vitals where the la- the, 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 the um, less waterfall your, gra- your resource loading is, like as many resources you can load in parallel, the better. And by breaking down your routes into smaller segment paths, it allows you to organize them and fetch them in parallel because they don't have like dependencies in within your application logic. So I think that's, that's a nice, a nice view. For example, if you're like, I don't know, in an Amazon, for example, you have your dashboard, you have your orders view, you have your profile account and 
you don't need to reload the whole app whenever you're switching those tabs, sort of. I don't know if that makes it clear or if you mm-hmm. want to expand on this. Yeah. I mean, uh, okay. I, I think I was, that's actually really cool. I mean, I would love to dig more down that, but like, you also mentioned the mutation thing. Like, mm-hmm. the, yeah. The, so Remix has uh, different ways of handling mutations. They, they bring some hooks uh, out of the box to handle some mutations. So in the first case, you get like the use action data, which like on Remix, every time you're, you're handling data, you have like the get method, which is the one that re- uh, runs on fetch. That calls like to a loader function, which is you can compare that to a get static props or a get server side props on XJS if it, mm-hmm. that helps your mental model. And those are the ones that are going to handle every get request. And then for all the other verbs, so, uh, post, put, delete, and I always forget one, patch, um, patch. you, <laughs> <laughs> you use the action, uh, the loader action, uh, not the loader action, sorry, the, the action function. On the server side. So you have a few hooks that help you connect to it. One of them being the first one being the use action data, which is going to help you get whatever is going to return from this. So you get the payload from the, uh, with the use action data and you can respond to this. Moving on to more complex cases, you have the use transition, which is going to happen every time you do like one of these post requests. It's going to provide you with some, it's going to allow you to have the pending UI so it can get, get you into a loading state, for example. But still, it doesn't, it doesn't, how can I put it? So it's whenever, like, and please, and an important thing to do now is to not confuse that with the use transition hook that's in React 18. Mm. Like there's mm-hmm. the use transition React 18 and there's the use transition on Remix. I think at some point they are going to have to arm wrestle for that namespace. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, they, they are different. So the use transition, just to rephrase that, because I got like, I, I put my hands through my feet at that point. This transition is going to be triggered every time there's a route transition. And they have this, uh, the use transition is going to give you some life cycles where you can use implement the pending UI. So that's what I mean. Mm. That's part, that's the biggest part of what I mean when I say that Remix has a very nice story for handling the mutation part where out of the box, just with Remix dependency, you can have a pending UI with the use transition, for example. Hmm. And then you can go to like uh, even more complex use cases with like the use fetcher, for example, where uh, you not only get the transition, but you can also use the use fetcher to not do the navigation. So then your Remix app starts having a very single page application com- uh, behavior mm-hmm. where then it's just going to fetch the resources but it's not going to navigate. So with that, you can get the optimistic UI behavior where you don't need to wait for the round trip to the server to say to the user, oh, that's what you requested. So yeah, we did it. And you're running that under the hood. And if something fails, you can prompt the user to retry or something else. Or if it succeeds, the user doesn't know. So you get that instant feeling. So Remix got did a lot of work on like they were very passionate about the the way they can handle optimistic UI and they were very vocal mm-hmm. about it. Yeah, 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 yeah. To the point that a lot of people started talking Remix and optimistic UI together, mm-hmm. like as they were like as optimistic UI was like a Remix thing, but it's a web thing. You can right. do that with any other frameworks. The biggest thing is that Remix make it makes it that easy to implement. 
Yeah. And then another part of how they handle this is that they have this uh, form component within Remix that's supposed to be used with with these hooks that they have. And this React, uh, this form component has this fallback that obviously goes back to a form element. So it helps you use in a Node.js environment. But then also you can, in HTML, almost have your API. I'm doing air quotes in a podcast, but uh, (laughs) schema (laughs) almost in a declarative way on HTML because you're basically with the inputs, you're defining how the data that it's coming back from that form submission going to look like, mm-hmm. which is also very interesting. Once like you get, you go past that, maybe if you're as old as I am and you've been through working with form submissions to go to single page applications, you kind of don't want to go back to form submissions. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you're so used to doing fetch for everything. Like, you know, yeah, oh, yeah. you got to get data over the server. It's like, wait, a form? What is a form tag? Yeah. Wait, it's, what? it's a similar <laughs> feeling of teach it anymore. It's a very similar like, feeling when React came out with the own clicks and we were like, mm-hmm. no, yeah. no. <laughs> on submit. Yeah. Yeah. So these forms are actually nice to use because essentially they take out the complexity of handling when the case that they don't work properly or optimizing the forms to like a single page application scenario. So you can use those with the remix hooks and it looks a lot like HTML. So that's a nice thing when you're learning Remix. A lot of the times you see yourself going back to Web Fundamentals. Yeah. yeah. Because yeah. Ryan Florence says a lot, like when they're like when you're watching his Remix singles and stuff like that, he goes, ah, you know, we're doing this because that's exactly what the browser should do. That's what the web should do. And that's what we're doing here. We're not reinventing mm-hmm. anything. We're just doing the same. So I, I like that about Remix. That, uh, yeah. So that's something that, that to me is very appealing on it. And the fact that they just take like the web APIs and make it work on this like single page, native feeling, heavy JavaScript client side environments. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I think that the another thing that Remix got famous for is that oh, it, it worked with Node.js, but that's kind of a byproduct, I think. I'm not them to say it with uh, like I like a, but I think it's a nice byproduct because they were just focusing on the web on the web platform. Yeah. So one thing that you mentioned early on was that in Next.js there's something called Layout RFC, I believe. Yeah, yeah. The Layout so, the RFCs. Pretty Could you nice. tell us a little bit about that? I'm not familiar with that, and it may be maybe a new a yeah. feature. So basically, um, I think a lot of people thought like me when uh, Remix came out with the React router and partial routing and all these things we've been talking for so long. Everybody thought that was a good, a lot of people, I, I think, thought it was a good idea. And Next.js it has this uh, RFC, which stands for uh, Request for Comments. So they have a blog post on their website and there is an open discussion on the Next.js repository. And they're basically refactoring the whole routing system from the ground up, but in a backwards compatible way. So the way it goes now, and and the idea is that React 18 and server components are going to take a front row seat with that. So if you're very, if you're familiar with Next.js, you're used to declaring your routes on the pages directory. Yeah. So this RFC brings the apps directory and in the apps directory, everything is like, like putting, trying to put it in simple terms. Everything is server side first. 
So the components are supposed to be server components and everything's supposed to be rendered on the server side and then uh, sent to the client to be hydrated. Mm-hmm. So everything is like very edge first, pretty much in the, I hate be the guy doing this. It's pretty much like Remix is doing as well. Like I, I don't <laughs> like compare them, but <laughs> they well, do they have very nice server framework. Good, so it's hard not to. Right. They're doing this yeah. kind of stuff. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like I'm highlighting how they do things that I like the same way, more or less, yeah. uh, which I think is good for us users. Like if you're, if you end up jumping from framework to framework, you don't want to learn a whole new language every time. Everybody wins with that. But essentially, like with this, it goes like server side first. And what they're doing is for like a few obvious reasons. They have some, some people that are in the React core team working inside Vercel, which is the maintenance of Next.js, but they're very much aligned with what React 18 is doing. And they plan to leverage React suspense out of the box and server components being very like a central piece of this uh, layout RFC and basically leveraging a lot of the complexity and bringing the whole idea of like server components because essentially server components by itself or like streaming by itself or suspense by itself and is not going to make every React app performant and with great UX. Right. So what Next.js, what I understand Next.js is trying to do with Layout RFC is bringing all the advantages with this nice abstraction that Next.js is famous to do for. So that's what they do with, uh, for example, the revalidate keyword on the get static props for mm-hmm. uh, incremental static regeneration. Yep. Like they're caching stuff on a very reliable way and stuff like that. So you don't need to know cache control headers to be able to cache that. In the same way, you're not going to need to know React upside down to be able to use suspense in the right way. So I like that a lot. Okay, um, so we've got this apps directory. What goes into yeah. the apps directory? Is it like, what? what is an app? Is it a login app? So in the apps directory, in you start you start declaring your routes in the same way that you do on the pages directory. Okay. Uh, in a similar way, uh, maybe not the very same way because the behavior is different. And with that, it's a layout RFC. So the routing is uh, a part of it. And they have this new idea of layouts as components, as like route components, which is, I hate doing this, but similar to what Remix does with the routes <laughs> and, the, and the layouts that you can also declare that. So, <laughs> um, so you have the layouts and the layouts can be nested. So you declare the routes uh, inside the app by directories. So every directory is their own route. And inside each route, you can have a layout and you can have a page file. Okay. And that page file is going to be the one that's going to be rendered in the layout. And as you go on nested routes, you can be declaring layouts as well. So you can have nested layouts. And this is very, very nice because the layouts, first of all, they don't re-render. So you can have access to the get server side props from a layout. You can handle your application state from in a component level, which is pretty awesome. Like so far, we've been needing to do that on a route level. Now you can do on a component level. Mm-hmm. And... There's some special rules about that because as I mentioned, everything is like server side friendly. So I'm very scared about doing like a disservice, but you, I, if I remember right, there is uh, the server component and you can nest, uh, client components on server components, but not the other way around. Mm-hmm. There is like a very interesting workaround that can be done, but essentially 
that's the thing. Routes on the app folder are server-side rendered by default, while routes in the pages folder have the static rendering by default as we are all used to. And just to follow up, because I know I'm sure Paige wants to jump in, but just to follow up. So I import, I'm over in my pages directory and that's like my, where my index is or whatever. I import from the apps directory and that, and then I like a component and then that gets server side rendered individually on the um, page. I don't think you will want your things on your page directory to talk to your things on the apps directory. Oh, they're different okay. routes. Oh, so these are the, Ooh. so that's the point. So. That the, the idea of the apps directory, I believe, is to be backwards compatible. Super so everything it just okay. Yeah. Oh, so I everything guess. you have wow. on the pages works as it is. You update your Next.js, creates a fresh new apps directory, and as you need or as you want or whatever, you start moving some routes to apps. I don't okay. think I don't know it's how it's going to work if you have conflicting routes. And I don't think as they, as they write on the RFC, they're going to still support the pages directory mm -hmm. for the foreseeable future. So I don't know if they're replacing or they intend to replace. I do see me as a developer that the apps directory going on a more edge, edge computing direction is more about what the web is going towards. But uh, there's no like, as far as I've seen, I, I haven't seen anybody from Vercel team saying, Oh, Pages directory is going to be gone by next 56. Right. I don't know. Nobody said anything like that. Hi, this is Charles Maxwood from Top End Devs. And lately I've been coaching some people on starting some podcasts and in some cases just taking their career to the next level. You know, whether you're beginner going to intermediate, intermediate going to advanced, whether you're trying to get noticed in the community or go freelance. I've been helping these folks figure out how to get in front of people, how to build relationships and how to build their careers and max out. And, and just go to the next level. So if you're interested in talking to me and having me help you go to the next level, go to topendevs.com slash coaching. I will give you a one hour free session where we can figure out what you're trying to do, where you're trying to go and figure out what the next steps are. And then from there, we can figure out how to get you to the place you want to go. So once again, that's topendevs.com slash coaching. Yeah, I mean, it sounds it sounds very much like and this seems to be where a lot of JavaScript frameworks are going towards kind of an island architecture, which we've been talking about recently, yeah. where everything that is possibly can be server rendered and is fairly static. They just ship that as it is and do nothing else to it. Don't give it any dynamic op options, really, once it's been generated the first time. So it's really interesting to hear that Next is also trying to kind of walk back some of the server options that they had and just make it that way from the, you know, from the get go. Because I think a lot of people struggled with that, especially if they weren't as familiar with how React frameworks and server side rendering worked in general, just trying to figure out, do I need server side rendering? Do I need static rendering? What it, you know, what is the best option for me and my use case? So mm -hmm. it's cool to hear that they're just kind of starting to give people that option out of the box. And you don't even have to think about it, really. If you just put it in the right folder, Next will just handle it for you. So that's very, yeah. very interesting. Handle it works. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. so... It just uh, works. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely... That's the direction I think they go, uh, they're go. they going. And it kind of doesn't come as a big surprise, I think, since the last Next.js conf, 
there were like talks from the some people in the Aurora team at Google talking about the streaming API and, and things like that. And I think that goes directly into the direction like for serving like partial HTML documents. Uh, that's what the streaming API is about. Uh, just if anybody's not familiar with, I think that goes directly in the direction of these islands of interaction that you just mentioned. Mm-hmm. That's what I was going to say. Yeah, I think this is all like everybody's sort of converging on islands architecture out there, you know, like yeah. in different different directions. Yeah, yeah, because it, it makes a lot of sense, right? You don't want you don't want everybody to 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 get the whole kitchen sink if they just wanted a toothbrush. <laughs> um, so, which is what you get by default, right? Next, next assumes that everything on the page. Is, is built on the server and then mm-hmm. all that, that state is shipped over to the client and then we build it again on the client yeah. just to make sure it's the same, you know, and then, <laughs> yeah. And then at the end, you're like, well, now you get to be interactive as opposed to, you know, let's go and, and take the parts of the page that are static and keep them static and keep, mm-hmm. you know, just, just send the HTML. That's all you need. And then we have the parts of the page that are dynamic and you send them as, and then you just send the, the JavaScript for that. And so that, yeah. I think that's, at the end of the day, that's where this, this app stuff is trying to get to. That's where like Astro is trying to get to and Remix. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, and and React uh, 18 is enabling every framework that's dependent on React to do something like that because that's what they're doing with the whole suspense API, API and all the new hooks that are coming So with it. So um, it's pretty exciting times, I guess. Uh, it's basically where like DX goes full on on helping people shipping good UX, which like since I officially became the X engineer, that's pretty much everything I, I talk about apparently. <laughs> but yeah, uh, <laughs> that's what we try to do at my work now as well. Like we've been working on some, like I'm working on example apps and the first thing I'm doing, the first one I'm doing is Next.js. And we just want something like, yeah, you just run a command and all the best like, all the best practices are there for you to use our, our product. You don't need to worry about that. You don't need to read our entire documentation to be able to use us. Um, yeah. And, and I, I think it's it, it's nice that you have something like Next.js, Remix, Gatsby, Redwood. All these frameworks are doing to like developers that are coming in. They don't need to understand all the web vitals, especially because they're changing all the time with uh, everything we find and all the new APIs. So people don't need to know everything uh, to be able to ship something or like if they get like, I don't know, if they, they're not paying attention to a small detail on their app, it's not like they're going to blow up the whole experience, <laughs> I guess. Right. Which like, that's something that a lot of people like when they look back and say, Oh, it was simpler to build on the, on the web. Yeah. But it was also harder in this case. Mm-hmm. Like it was simpler, but because we were like, like really getting a lot of like details that should be cared for, I guess. So I do like that. A lot. Well, maybe you could tell us a little bit more about what your company is and what they do, because you know, as a developer experience engineer that's that's spinning up examples using these frameworks that we know and and really enjoy, you know, how does your your product fit into them? Sure. So Zara is a serverless database. So our idea is to make dealing with databases fun, or at the very least, comfortable. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. So, I do know people out there who think databases are fun. We're, we're bold people. What can I say? Like you need to aim high, right? But yeah. So <laughs> basically, uh, what we usually say is, yeah, you, you want, we want our users to think about data and not databases. Sure. So you basically model your data 
our database is hidden behind an API. And as a serverless database, we are going to handle all the complexity under the hood for you. And you can just read, hit some endpoints to fetch your schema, to push your schema, to get query data and things like that. And we'll make sure it works. We'll make sure it scales. We'll make sure it's performant. We'll make sure the deliverability is, is nice. We'll provide the asset guarantees that you need. So that's the whole point. And like we proud ourselves a lot on the, on the DX that we're building. So that's the whole thing uh, about the work that I'm doing right now. And my team is to do like the integrations, not integrations, but to, to create these example apps that makes it easy to use Zara mm-hmm. and. Yeah, essentially. Yeah, sorry. Uh, I just, I just. Okay, but I'm trying not me, to get me, too carried away. <laughs> I'm sure, not sure. sure but let me, let me play sell it with you for a second because I know that there's a lot of folks. Like, it, it's a crowded space. So of network databases out there, what what, what makes what's what's the what's the what's the elevator pitch that's going to make me want to use Zada as opposed to other Anything cloud else? DBs? Yeah. Okay. I think that though it's it's a crowded space, there are different use cases that each each one of these products meet. Like if you look at other serverless databases like Superbase, PlanetScale, Zara, HDB, they all have different things that they're aiming for. Zara, we are different than most of them because we have because we are behind an API, we can provide our users with some nice abstractions. For example, we can provide with instant migrations. So you can branch your schema pretty much as you would branch your GitHub repository, your code base. And because we're behind an API, once you decide to merge that branch, it's instant to you because we're just pointing out to different parts of, uh, we're just pointing, we're just changing a symbolic essentially. So that's, that's one thing that we do nicely. And another thing is that we also have an analytics and a search engine out of the box because we have Elasticsearch within our database. And because we're behind an API, we can provide the asset guarantees, even though if it's a NoSQL database under the hood. So whenever you're querying your data, things can get pretty fast, even when like traditional relational databases may not be as performant as. Mm-hmm. But with the API, we can do the asset guarantees and everything you would expect with a nice developer experience and interface that you get with uh, relational databases, even though you might not be querying data straight from a relational database in this, in our, in this case. And because of these kind of, this kind of decisions, we can help you scale horizontally, vertically, like scaling vertically becomes automatic and horizontally we can get to the point where uh, it's it's a no-brainer for you and we handle this complexity because of this, because we are behind this API. So that's one thing. We're, as I said, we're still in closed beta. So there's a lot that we're still like working on, on how we're going to do stuff as we move on to, to the public beta. Mm-hmm. We do, I, I can do, I can say that we are going to have a free tier out of the box. We already yeah, have a few nice. users being onboarded. Great. So yeah, so we have this Discord server. If everybody, if anybody's interested in about that, you can join us and yeah, but it's a closed there's an access I request mean, stuff. Oh, but we can give okay. access. Yeah. So that's oh, okay. it. Um, if you have a use case and that feels like something to, we're actually asking for feedback. Like a lot of our work is open source already. So yeah, but again, yes, I'm not a, a Discord link person. and we'll, we'll drop that in the show notes. Oh, thanks. Okay. Um, yeah. yeah, you know, I, you know, but so yeah, we, at this, at this point, we're all about talking to people and see what they expect from, from a serverless database. 
and see how we can actually meet that those requirements with a nice developer experience. One thing, uh, another thing that I like a lot with our SDKs and our APIs that we're extremely TypeScript friendly, like we build the types, like we have the code gen. So every, your SDK is by default type safe. Awesome. We have a nice uh, VS Code extension so you can provision a database from VS Code. I actually recorded a video without any speed up. I did that in two minutes. I provision, create tables and push records to it. So it's pretty cool. I'm very proud of that. I was a user before I joined the team, so that's why blabbering like that. Um, I do feel bad now that I joined the team because it makes me sound like a salesman, but that's not what I'm doing. I'm just excited about this stuff we're building. Awesome. Yeah. So yeah. you say that it's behind an API. Is there? Can you query it uh, either from RESTful endpoints or with GraphQL? So our API for now is uh, REST. So yeah, you have REST endpoints. We do have in our dashboard a nice SDK playground, which feels, at least to me, feels a lot like those GraphQL clients that you have the schema there and everything, especially mm-hmm. because we, we code gen types for you based on your, your database schema. So you get all the auto completion, you get IntelliSense and this kind of stuff. They're pretty nice. So it feels like you have night GraphQL and stuff like that. It feels almost declarative to me, at least. So yeah. Yeah. It's an interesting thing. Like, you know, when it comes to GraphQL, unless you're actually going to, like, unless the API is your service, like you're not Mm -hmm. actually going to, you don't really need the dynamic behavior of GraphQL if you control the client and the server. In fact, you're just paying extra cost to actually parse through the GraphQL query and, and validate it and all the rest of it. So it's interesting. Yeah, it's interesting trade off. I mean, you do get like some other stuff, like you get the ability to like multiple queries in a single request, things like that. Right. You know, so yeah, it's, it's, it's an interesting trade off, but I can totally see where if you have like a nice playground where you basically give essentially GQL and it makes the query for you and it's all typed. I mean, that's pretty slick. Yeah. I'll take that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I do think that the GraphQL conversation is, shouldn't be the same conversation about which database you're going to use. Or if mm-hmm. you need like a schema full, like ORM or something like that, it should be a second conversation. Like, okay, we need an ORM or we need something like this. Do we need it? Do we need GraphQL as well? Uh, like they're right. separate talks, I guess. I know that some like nice implementations of you that use GraphQL kind of push people into like, okay, I'm just going to jump this whole decision and just take that because that works for me. I respect that. But it, it like it's if whenever we treat like a tool or a framework as our savior, that's where uh, like, you know, like we need to understand what we need from it before we know what, before we expect stuff, I guess. Yeah. You know, you're talking earlier about like having in your examples, basically some canned stuff that's everything out of the box. No, you, you don't have to make any decisions. I kind of, I would say I warn against that sort of thing a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. And that, like, I've definitely seen some bad examples of that where it's like they made a lot of decisions, just not the ones I would have made, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, they, there's some pretty famous e commerce vendor out there, you know, came out with their <laughs> own like canned framework and they're like, we decided for you that it's going to be on Vite and it's going to be mm-hmm. server side components. And you're going to be like, yeah. Okay, but like I would have liked to have had a voice in that decision. So yeah, I totally know, I like agree. The, with I like the the plugin thing where it's like I, like I've been playing around with Astro lately, and they've got integrations, and it's like, oh, you want Tailwind? Cool. 
here's an integration for you. Bam, you, you can drop it in. But it's not out of the box. It's like I get to make the decision of whether to use it or not, whether to use that or something else. Yeah, yeah I, I totally agree with you. And uh, I think I expressed myself poorly in this ah, case. Um, okay. <laughs> what, uh, That's okay. <laughs> I also don't like when people make decisions for me. Like that's some autonomy. The thing is, what what was trying to mean is, for example, if you decide, okay, I'm going to test this thing out, but can I query it from the client side? Can should I should I create an API route? Should I use like in the case of Next.js, get server side props? Where do I put my stuff? Or how do I I don't know, decide where the code gen is going to be. What kind of configuration files do I need? This kind of decisions, like, I, I, I don't want you to spend 15 minutes in my docs to find out. Yeah, yeah, totally. Uh, Good how, examples are great. Yeah. Big time. Big time. Yeah. And then, like, our, my plan with those examples is that you get, like, the minimal approach, and then you get, like, a little bit more, and then you get a little bit more, and so on. So if you get to the point where look, I just want a POC. I just want a proof of concept. I will just run a command here and it's going to spit out a blog for me. Yeah. Okay, then you can have that. Otherwise, no, I'm building something from scratch. I want you to be hands-off and that's that's what I have. So I think it, it, it's hard. Like I, I think Next.js and, uh, and Remix are good examples of frameworks that make a lot of decisions for you, but they allow you to opt out at mm-hmm. any point. Like Next.js is really, really good at it, uh, in my opinion, because like to the point where you can decide to do TypeScript and they just say, okay, we detected you have a TypeScript fi- configuration file. You should install these types. Like, yeah. okay, thanks. It gives you a peace of mind where like a voice from your terminal is telling you what you need. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or when you're going through the setup process and it asks you, you know, do you want to use TypeScript for this project? Do you want to yeah. use this thing, that other thing, this third thing, that's yeah. kind of nice because you can just do yes, no, no, yes. And and then it will just mm-hmm. build the the starter that you want. Yeah, and, and Remix went a step further with those uh, Remix stacks. Mm-hmm. So basically Remix stacks oh, yeah. uh, to listeners is that like a bunch, like it's it's basically a stack. That's why they call it Remix stacks where they, they get you like a provider, uh, like whenever you're going to deploy to, they help you set up uh, the environmental key uh, variables or whatever you need. They even some even set up like end-to-end tests and stuff like that. Everything out of the box, and then that's mm-hmm. it. You you can if you want a stack, you use it, and in like I don't know three minutes time, you're writing application logic already. Yeah. And that's like super super cool. I was looking at how to create remix stacks because, as I said, that's what I'm doing for a living now Mm -hmm. (laughs) and they even allow you uh, like the developer to do like extend the remix cli in the sense that oh if you're installing my stack i can create a few special prompts and even install some dependencies just for the first time to get you set up so like for example for me that i'm going to create a stack to use a specific database i can prompt my user that's installing it okay how many decisions do you want to make for me? Do you want to pull like a pre-made schema for you and push some dummy records so you can see something out of the box? Yeah, like a blog or, or do you want like me that, to yeah. butt out, you know? So um, that's that's really nice, I think. I, so, will, yeah. I will say, if you do that, please go and name it something that is Googleable. Because yes, 
Remix Stacks, you can get started in three minutes, but you spent 15 trying to find the Remix Stacks homepage because you do Remix Blues, which is the name of one of their stacks. And it's like the first home, the first whole page is like blues remixes, which are awesome, but have nothing to do with JS. a tip for you is uh, is using the one of the author's name to disambiguate. So you can say oh, Michael yeah. Jackson okay. remix. Blues. <laughs> uh, that could get you some interesting. Yeah, results, sure. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> Very interesting result. <laughs> oh, well, Attila, is there anything that we have not talked about yet that you think we should cover? Yeah, I'm, I'm here for anything you want to talk about. Like, as I said, I'm just like, I just, you point me and I'll start blabbering. I don't know if, I don't know if the quality is going to be good, but I'm here for it. Uh, <laughs> it's been great. I've had a good time and I've learned a lot, Absolutely. actually. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, thanks. That, that's always nice to hear. I've got to, got to continue that remix tutorial that I was working on mm. a couple of weeks ago. Got to finish that off. And I've got to look at this layouts RFC. That sounds cool. That too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Both of them are nice, and I uh, actually playing around. Like for my last talk, I used like I created this Remix app to play around with this optimistic uh, UI stuff, and mm-hmm. actually deployed Remix app on Netlify Edge. So it's like mm. the most. I, I think it's probably the most hipster thing I've done this year. Like <laughs> Remix, Remix running. Running on edge on a Dino runtime. Oh gosh. Like it's you had to do it on Dino deploy if you're going to like really go for it. But <laughs> like, did he do it in a coffee shop? That's the trick. Oh, you know? no, I did. <laughs> yeah. In a Berlin coffee oh, shop. That's oh, there's just nothing yeah. better, really. Honestly. Yeah. I, I lost that opportunity. Yeah. <laughs> so close. So close. I'll, I'll have to do it. I'll have to find another excuse to do something like that. <laughs> or in a beer garden. I'm sure as, That'd be fun. Yeah, I'm sure as DevX, you <laughs> <he> will. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Here we are at Oktoberfest. Let's do this. <laughs> well, cool. Hey, folks, if you love this podcast and would like to support the show, or if you wish you could listen without the sponsorship messages, then you're in luck. We're setting up new premium podcast feeds where you can get all of the episodes released after Christmas 2020 without the ads. Signing up will help us pay for editing and production. And you can go sign up at devchat.tv slash premium. I think it is now time for us to move into the section of the show that we call picks. And these are television shows, they're books, they're cool <laughs> technologies. They're basically anything that you have really enjoyed uh, that you think that our users would enjoy as well. So, Jack, do you want to start us off this week? It has turned into like the television show thing because there's just so many of them. There oh, my are. God. I know. It's pretty good. Crazy. And you know what? <laughs> I'm going to do a television show. It's just, <laughs> ah! but I will say I have been really saddened by the state of like writing and stuff. It seems really lazy in some of these shows, but one that was just absolutely fantastic was one called The Bear on Hulu. And it's about uh, a chef and cooking. And I swear to you, it's, it's, I know these, I know some of these actors and it mm-hmm. doesn't seem like they're acting. It's just crazy how like into it. It feels so it's an amazing show. Anyway, I think it's got 100% on Rotten Tomatoes and it just totally deserves it. So, and it's nice. only eight episodes. And my, my daughter and I were just glued from like episode two. It's just fantastic. So, the Hulu, <laughs> Hulu, the bear. I have heard about the bear. So, that's another, and that's another vote in its favor. So, I'll, I've definitely got it on the list. I need to just actually go ahead and watch it. I think it's an intense watch. It's like if you, if you're, 
excited by people like being really intense with each other, then that's mm-hmm. it, that's that's because they're Chicago and Chicago folks yeah. like. <laughs> <laughs> what does that mean i'm not from the u.s <laughs> oh no, it means like i don't know if you have a city where people are just like they, they just tell it like it is up in your face you know ah, you know where you stand with folks you know that's honest. that's yes that's chicago <laughs> nice nice cool i will go next my my thing for this week is going to be a spray bottle that I recently bought mm. off of Amazon. And it's a spray bottle that you'd use for cooking. Like if you need to mist something that you're searing or you're cooking it on the grill or something like that. Yeah. And there's, it's not battery operated because there were some of those. It's just a really simple one where you pour whatever into it, mix it up, and then you can just pull down this little lever and it does a really nice, nice mist of whatever you've got in there. So if it's, you know, if it's an oil-based thing, if it's maybe juice and vinegar or something like that, it just, it comes out beautifully. It's got a nice long mist uh, cycle from one, one good pump. And it was really inexpensive and it, you know, really made a difference because my husband's been doing a whole lot of grilling because it's summertime over here. So, you know, he did some ribs this weekend that turned out fantastic. And it had this apple cider vinegar and Mm. apple juice mix that you missed on it every half hour while it's while it's smoking. So it it turned out great. So I would definitely recommend it if it's something if you're a, a person who likes to cook and do stuff like that. It's a really good investment. I'm all over this. I can't wait to see you I, in the show. I don't Somebody like to cook, but I'm very hungry. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Talking about food, I know. It does it to there me you too. go. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so Attila, do you have any picks that you'd like to recommend? Yeah, sure. So uh, as Jack said, there's a bunch of shows around and I've been all over them. The one that I'm currently watching, I would recommend because I'm I I read a lot of comic books in my life, so mm. that this one comes straight from it. So it's Sandman. Um, mm. I'm watching this I right now. Know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. it's pretty nice. Like I didn't actually read the Sandman graphic novels, so I'm 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 seeing some like backlash from the most like, but fans are fans, right? Yeah. But I do I like a lot. I, I like New Game, and I watched already Good Omens. And American Gods. American Gods is amazing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I think Sandman is uh, like is there with those two other two series that I liked. I, I haven't finished it yet, though. I think I'm on episode it, eight now. I, I don't know how many there are. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm. I'm somewhere there between seven, maybe eight. <laughs> I don't yeah. remember where I stopped. Like, yeah. <laughs> I have a bad know. habit of watching until I'm almost falling asleep. So I oh, don't remember. Oh, and then you gotta like a rewatch. You know, the last 10 minutes, <laughs> yeah, you're like, what like happened? Why, who is this guy? I don't know. Understand. Wait, what? <laughs> I had to do that with Westworld. I literally, like, we watched the entire first episode of season four because I'm like, hold up. I don't know. What are we doing now? <laughs> who is this guy? <laughs> like, what? Like, yeah. So I just rewatched the entire first show again because I'm like, gotta catch up. <laughs> and then that's actually the rest of the season was pretty, pretty amazing. I haven't finished yet, but dang, that's a, that's a, that's a show. Is it the final season of Westworld or is there? Who knows? You You know, (laughs) every season you think it's going to be the last one. And then it turns out, whoa, they figured out a way to make it go. (laughs) Uh, I think Orville was one where they, unless they can get like a fan thrall Mm -hmm. to come in, then it's it's gone, gone. And that was actually a good show. Yeah, Yeah, it's always a shame when those things kind of get canceled. And yeah, your favorite ones. And on a cliffhanger. Right. And then the ones you don't think should get a second season do. And you're like, 
why this show is awful. Please, God, yeah. kill this show. Yeah, oh. I'm. I'm still. I'm still like hurt by the Dirk Gently cancel. Like mm-hmm. on Netflix, there was one from. It was from Douglas Adams. Uh, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, and, and detective like the first season. Huh? It was a, sorry, was it Dirk Gently's detective agency or something. Yeah, holistic detective. Holistic detective like agency. God, that's from when I was a kid. It Jeez. it has one of like it's probably like in the first season. There's one scene that's probably the funniest scene I've ever seen in a TV show. Like, <laughs> like I I I went full dead on it. I stopped. The, I paused it and I rewind rewind. <laughs> yeah, that's how. So I just, <laughs> you know, I rewind Netflix. That's how much I yeah, like it. Yeah, and then yeah. I, I went back on it. it. It was really like, I couldn't stop laughing at it. Okay. <laughs> nice. Well, Attila, it has been a pleasure having you on today. It really if has been. If people want to get in touch with you, how can they find you? Oh, yeah. They can find me on Twitter, like Attila Fascina, like first name, last name. Or uh, Attila.io, uh, there's all my contacts there, everything. And yeah, anything I'm, I'm up for, I like let's talk shop anytime. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Great. This is great. We'll have all those links in the show notes and uh, we'll see everybody in the next episode of React Roundup. Bye, everyone. See you then. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y.com to learn more.